Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Come on, let's give them some praise this morning. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Who came to worship this morning? Who came to praise? Come on, he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our shout. He is too good. Thank you. Just keep it as loud as you can. Thank you so much. He is too good to be silent. I think back to the years that I spent silent in church. And I made a decision that he's done too much in my life for me to be quiet about my faith. He's done too much in my life for me to be embarrassed about worshiping. Embarrassed about shouting. Embarrassed about praising. I spent years in church not able to praise not able to shout not able to worship but how many know that when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you he gives you the ability to shout the ability to worship there was a take your seat there was a price paid for us to be able to enter in the presence of God it used to be keep it up thank you so much it used to be a once a year encounter where they would go in and enter the presence of God but on that cross the veil was torn and now we have the ability to enter into the presence of God. I was just talking to a young girl. She was saying that she was going to go out and party Friday night but she decided because of these gatherings she wasn't going to go party and then on Saturday she decided she wasn't going to go party and she said for the first time this morning I was able to lift my hands in church. I never usually lift my hands. Why? For that is something to be excited about. There is real change when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There is real breakthrough. David said when I consider the stars, when I look at the universe, when I look at the moon, who is a man that God is mindful from this morning God is mindful of us. He says you walked in with depression. You don't have to walk out with depression. If you walked in with it, come on, help me preach. I have no voice. If you walked in with anxiety, you don't have to walk out with anxiety if you walked in with anger who am I preaching to you don't have to walk out with anger if you have thoughts of suicide you don't have to walk out with thoughts of suicide we can get into the theology and all the logistics of what is God doing and the doctrine of tongues and eschatology and when he's coming back but at the end of the day we have overcomplicated the gospel the gospel is about people that were blind, that were paralyzed, that were hurting, that were broken, being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In John 9, there was a blind man, and all the Pharisees were coming, saying, oh, well, what Bible college did you go to? Oh, oh, what this? Oh, what theology? And they were arguing scripture. And the man said, listen, I don't know what you want from me. Come on, help me as much as you can. I got no voice at all. He says, I don't know what you want from me. He says, all I know is I was blind, and now I could see. He says, all I know is I was hurting. Friend, I don't know what else to say to you this morning, but that God changed my life. I was broken. I was hurting. That's why we shout. That's why we praise, because God is not a boring God. Now, some of us serve a boring God 
But that doesn't make God that we serve boring. See, there are a lot of us, even in this room this morning, that have made a God of religion, a God of compromise, a God of apathy, and a God of complacency. And when you worship that God, when you worship a God that has no passion, a God that has no power, a God that, I'll switch mics if I have to, I just need more help here. A God that has no anointing, a God that can't change, that can't heal, that God deli- that can't deliver. Friend, you get nothing from what you serve. But when you come in this place and say wait a minute there is more to the Christian life than just coming to church once a week there is more to the Christian life than just going through the motions and playing church there is more to the Christian life than just going once a week and doing the same thing but God this morning says I want to bring you to another place I want to bring you to a place where when you get around people they change that when you go out of this church if you were Christian more than once a week how much could your world change y'all need to help me if we worship more than just once a week on Sunday. If we praise more than just once a week on Sunday, that is the problem. Our Christian activities and our Christian life never leaves the building. We come and gather and we go, okay, I'm gonna come and worship at church. I'm gonna come and praise at church. I'm gonna come and be excited at church. But the problem is there's not lost people in here that need to see your impact in their life. So you come and say, what, what good is it, friend? Now, I'm not trying to be mean and bash anybody. But what good is it if the only time you pray is when you're in the house of God? What good is it when the only time you worship, the only time you lift your hands, the only time you read your Bible? Some of us, we don't read our Bible all week. And then we wonder why. Why are we spiritually tired? Why do we have no spiritual energy? I don't know. Try eating once a week and see how you feel. This is an everyday thing. It's every single day walking in the power of the Holy Ghost, walking in the anointing of God, saying, I'm not going to just come once a week and go through the motions. Why? Because that's what the epitome of a hypocrite. What's the definition of a hypocrite? Someone that comes once a week, prays, worships, sings, dance, gives, and does all this. And then Monday doesn't do anything. Tuesday doesn't do anything. Wednesday doesn't do anything. Thursday doesn't do anything. Friday doesn't do it. And then Saturday, then come back once a week and do it again. And then have this false security. Do you know the Bible says? It says on judgment day, a fire will test every work of every builder. The Bible says that if you labor, but God's not the one building your life, then your labor is in vain. In other words, you could work all you want to build this American Christian life. But if God's not the one building it, if God's not the one behind it, and let me just explain something. God does not build apathetic Christians. God does not build lifestyles that revolve around us. We are living in the most selfish generation in all of human history. The Bible says there will come a time where men will be lovers of self. That's why when Nino was up here and he was sharing about the orphanage, there was something in you that was saying, I want to do something more. I want to help somebody. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What would happen if you loved the lost half as much as you loved yourself? 
Well, no, I don't like. Yes, you do like yourself. Whenever you're craving something, you go out to the store and you buy it. Whenever you want to watch something, you get on your thing and watch it. We are in love with ourselves. We love us. We love what we could do for us, what everybody else could do for us. Our prayers are revolved around us. And Jesus looks at the people and says, yeah, you know how you love yourself so much? You know you're so obsessed with looking good and dressing good and being popular and eating, right, and all this stuff you do? He goes, man, what would happen if we could get a generation of believers that love the world the way that they love them uh, that are obsessed with the with the lost uh, and helping orphans why because on judgment day there will be a literal fire that will judge your works uh, and God will say is what you did eternal see we are not here this weekend doing something uh, that is only going to matter in the temporary but we are here this weekend doing something uh, that is going to change eternity uh, that is going to impact the culture for every single generation uh, how do we overcome the Bible says by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony it is your testimony that overcomes the power of the enemy when I get apathetic I have to remind myself of my testimony I'm not complacent God delivered me God broke my chains God washed me of all apathy of all complacency of all going through the motions come on am I at the right place this morning some of you, did you take a sleeping pill before you walked in? See, how is this? How is this? We walk into church and we're tired and we're wore out. We're not passionate. We're not excited. We're just here because, what, it's Sunday morning. It's just like why you go to practice, why you go to the football game, why it's just what you do on that day. Friend, church has to become more than some routine that you just come to and you just sit there and fall asleep and act like it's no big deal and then no, not take it serious. Guys, we are living, even as I was preaching, another earth, they say that as they were cleaning up from the earthquake on Saturday that, that happened in Mexico, another one hit. They say now seven, all these hurricanes, earthquakes, and then we come and we have to try to figure out a nice message or a nice revelation to get you to be convinced that there is no time here's what I'm trying to say you don't have time to get right tomorrow you don't have time to get right the next day now is the day of salvation now is the moment to clap and to praise and to be excited and for the church to leave the building and to take our faith outside into the world Instead of us bringing the church to the world, we brought the world to the church. And now instead of walking in holiness, we walk in worldliness. How can we be like the culture to change them? You can't change a culture that you look like. You can't change a culture by being like them. That's why to me, I could care less. Now listen, I love being relevant. I love looking, but here's the deal. I could care less about trying to keep up with the trends of our culture. I'm trying to keep up with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not trying to follow the crowd. I'm trying to follow the cloud. I want to be in the presence of God. And let me me tell you something God is coming back to judge his church and God's not gonna go oh you wanted to be lukewarm that's fine oh you wanted to be apathetic that's fine 
oh, you wanted to just live out however you wanted to live out. You didn't want to walk in holiness. You didn't want to live right. You wanted to party and drink still and still go to church. You wanted to fornicate and still. You wanted to live how you want. Oh, no problem. Let me just change some scripture for you. Let me just change some of my commandments. Let me erase the part that says to walk in holiness. Let me erase the part that talks about the narrow road. Friend, let me tell you, on judgment day, God is not changing anything for you. God is not changing the scripture. God is not changing the commandments. We are not preaching a new gospel. We are preaching the gospel from the Bible that God has called us to walk in the holiness, to walk in the power, to walk in the anointing, to walk in the grace of God. This is our calling. This is our assignment. It's not just for the awakening. It's biblical. The Bible says, shout, as I say, my voice cracks like I'm going through puberty, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It doesn't say this, oh, if it's your personality, shout unto God. Oh, if you're Hispanic, shout unto God. Oh, if you're Italian, shout unto God. You know what it says? If you've overcome something, you're to shout unto God. Why? Because we're not dead anymore. We're not broken anymore. We're not lost anymore. We're not addicted anymore. Is there a reason to shout? Absolutely. The God that we serve has pulled us out of hell, has pulled us out of depression, has pulled us. And I'm sorry if the God that you serve isn't exciting. People come to me, oh, the way you preach. You talk about the narrow road and all that. That's not the God that I serve. You're right. It's not the God that you serve. The God you serve looks like Santa Claus, not Yahweh. You serve a God. You care less what you do. You can go drink. You can go party. You can go sleep around. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to give. You can do whatever you want. That is the God that America is serving. But let me tell you something about the God of the Bible. He's not going to change because of the culture, because of the hour that we live in. In fact, God is coming back. If you don't think we're in the last days, then you just need to open up your eyes because we are living in the last days. We are living in the days of the Lord's return where God is coming back and he's looking for a bride that is holy, a bride that is washed by the word a bride that is spotless there is a real judgment day where God is going to say did what I live for matter in eternity and the Bible says if not everything gets burned away you receive no reward and some of us the Bible says we'll still be saved barely do you really want to be a barely Christian do you really want to just barely make it in and be the person that barely it's like when you barely get invited to someone's wedding you're thinking man I don't really hardly know them I don't know how I got an invite you know how you got an invite because a couple of their family members couldn't make it and they had five extra invitations and you were like the 300th person on the list and you barely made the cut and you get there and you're not really treated the way everybody else is treated because you really barely made it I don't know about you but I'm not trying to be barely on the list of the people that make it into the kingdom of God I'm trying to be on the VIP list at the wedding banquet of the Lamb. I want to stand before God and God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's rest. I don't want to live my life not passionate about a God that I claim saved me from everything. All I'm saying is this. We need to figure out if we're really right, real about God or we're not. 
We need to figure out what we are. Are we really Christians or are we some other fake occult-like religious sect that Jesus came and said, you are sons of the devil. Oh, brother, that's mean. It's not mean. Here's what Jesus told the religious people. He said, you say that you're a son of God, but you don't even believe me when I come. He said, you are not sons of God. You are sons of your father, the devil. Why? He said, because you shut up the kingdom of heaven against man and you yourself do not enter. In other words, you have denied people entrance into the presence of God. Because of our apathy, our complacency, our lack of zeal, our lack of prayer, our lack of teaching biblical sound doctrine, we have denied people the access into the Holy Spirit's power. We have denied people deliverance. We have denied people healing. We have denied people supernatural breakthrough. And God says, how is it that you shut the door? That's why in the beginning of the book of John and the start of his ministry, the Bible says, and he came to the temple during Passover. Friend, Passover was a once a year event in Jerusalem where they were celebrate the fact that the last plague was an angel of death that would come over Egypt and would kill every firstborn son. Friend, here's what you have to understand. That as believers, we have access into the blood of the Lamb. What does the blood do? When the blood is on our life, when all hell breaks out, the devil has to pass us over. When the blood is on our life, if everybody else loses their job, we don't lose our job. Come on, help me more in the mic. When the blood is on our life, depression, anxiety, fear, it can't afflict us. It has to keep walking. When the devil comes, devil comes and tries to attack me, here's why I just tell, just keep walking. Just, you have no, you could speak to me all you want. You could try to put unbelief on me all you want. You could try to discourage me all you want. You could try to put, but guess what? There's blood over my life and there is nothing you can do that could affect me. Death, where is your sting? The power of the grave was broken. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he will never die. Friend, you are you have the power over death, over hell. Why? Because the blood. Here's the deal. Here's the deal wasn't just the angel of death that could see the blood. It was other believers and other people that could see that there was blood over your doorpost. Friend, it's not okay that only the church knows that you're marked by the blood. Does the world know that you are marked? I want people to see me and say, there's something marked about you. There's something different about you. There's something special about you. There's something irregular about you. Everybody else is losing their job, but you're not losing your job. Everybody else is going through hell, but you're not going through hell. Everybody else is battling addiction what is different about you you know it's different I'm marked the angel had to pass me over I have the blood of Jesus on my life and nothing the devil can do Jesus comes to the church and the Bible says he saw that there was cattle dove and animals being sold in the temple here's the key word he saw you know why you live in sin? You don't know he's watching you. How would you act if you knew that he saw? 
See, understand this. He wasn't at a synagogue. He was at the temple. In those days, there was only one temple. A synagogue was a place where if there was 10 Jews in an area, they had to build a synagogue. The temple was in Jerusalem. It was one place where the presence of God would show up once a year. And friend, Jesus was in the temple, and he was looking around, and they did not even recognize that Jesus was among them. Has anybody in here ever watched Undercover Boss? And in the show, I love the show. In the show, there's the CEO of the company, and he comes out of his royal office he comes out of his Lamborghini and all of his wealth and money and he goes into the lowly place and he works among the average worker he works among those making minimum wage and the people don't recognize he's the boss so they don't work how they would actually work if he was among them so they lazy they're cussing on the job they're acting a fool they're doing all these things and then what ends up happening they end up getting fired. Why? Because they don't recognize the bosses among them. They don't recognize that there's someone among them that's their owner, that's running their company, that they're supposed to be working for. And they always say, well, I wouldn't have done that if I knew you were here. And that is the problem in the church. We have made a lazy church, an apathetic church, and we don't even recognize the boss is in the room tonight. The boss is in the room this morning. A man who left heaven to enter humanity. His name is Christ. And would you still watch that movie if you knew he watched it with you? I bet you wouldn't be. How do a young guy tell me, a leader in a ministry, I'm addicted to porn. I can't get out of porn. I've been watching it for years. I got delivered, all this stuff. And God told me, he doesn't have the fear of the Lord. God told me, tell him I watch porn with him. So I told him, I said, you do know when you watch porn, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. That's why the Bible says sexual sin is the worst sin because would you take Jesus to a prostitute? Nobody in this room would take Jesus to a prostitute. Yet every time you commit sexual sin, you are prostituting out Jesus. You are making Jesus see and do what he doesn't want to do. Friend, understand how would we praise if Jesus, you understand the crazy part? If your quarterback of the Green Bay Packers walked in, you'd honor him a lot more than you honored Jesus this morning. Some of you are like, no big deal, just Jesus. But if Aaron Rodgers walked in, oh, praise God, you'd be all standing on your feet with your arms crossed, your nicest shirt on. You'd be waiting for an autograph, and you'd look at him and stare at him, and you'd be attentive to what he has to say. You'd be attentive. Why? Because he's important to you. The reason why you're not like that with Jesus is because Jesus is not important to you. Because you don't realize that he's in the room, and he's expecting us to honor him, to reverence him. And the American church, if we're honest, they could care less about the fact that Jesus is watching us. Jesus told the, God told Ezekiel, grabbed him by his hair, brought him into the temple and says, do you not know, do they not know that I watch what they're doing? I watch them steal offerings. I watch them commit adultery. I watch them commit sin. Friend, do you not know that everywhere you go at two in the morning, at three in the morning, at one p.m. that God is with you, that it is not okay to live a public life of, un, a public life of holiness, but a private life of sin? See, a lot of us were public successes, but private private failures. I don't know if you know this, but God knows what you're looking at on your iPhone. Say so they're just going to delete the history. You can't delete the history in the eyes of God. God knows 
the end from the beginning the beginning from end there's no such thing as deleting history and the eyes of God and what saddens me is we think that if we live right and we've taught you this as a church if you just live right in public if you just act right in public we don't need to talk about your secret sin we don't need to talk about your secret compromise but Jesus walks in and he's disgusted by what he sees what does he see he sees a bunch of people that are sounding sacrifices to make it easier for people to be right with God see Jesus said bring a spotless lamb why were they selling animals? Here's why. It took a lot of work and effort to raise a spotless animal and to travel hundreds of miles to bring them to Passover. And so guess what? We're not going to bring a sacrifice. We'll just get one when we get there. So now we do church. Don't bring our best offering. Don't bring our best praise. Oh, we'll just get one when we get there. We'll just let Michaela prays for us. We'll just let Mackenzie prays for us. We'll just let them play the instruments for us. We'll just let them worship for us. We're not going to bring one. We're going to let somebody else give us one. Friend, you need to stop letting other people give a sacrifice for you. You need to stop walking out this easy gospel. Why? Because Jesus is coming back to clean the temple again. Jesus is coming back to restore his church and to make it what it was intended to be. Selling animals because the people weren't willing to get. So here was their mentality. Uh, I, know this is, I know this is not what God commanded us to do. Because we clearly know in scripture it said to bring your own sacrifice and your own offering. But it's good enough. Good enough mentality. I know I should be going to church more. But it will be good enough just to go once a week. I know I should be praying more, but it's good enough just to pray before breakfast and after dinner. I know I should be reading more, but it'll be good enough just to get three verses on the screen every Sunday morning. I know I should be doing this more, but I, what I'm doing is good enough. Friend, let me tell you that your righteousness is not good enough, that your works is not good enough. You know what is good enough? It's every single day saying, God, I need your spirit. I need your power. I need your anointing in my life. We have to get rid of this mentality that says, my little bit of worship my little bit of sacrifice my little bit of praise is good enough for God it is a lie from the devil friend God doesn't just want a part of you God wants all of you and Jesus Jesus is legitimately angry at the state of the temple right now now Jesus didn't come in and say oh praise God there's grace and mercy you know what the Bible says it said and he made a whip and he drove the people out and the animals out with a whip. Friend, notice in the Bible, God never drove anybody in. He only drove people out. And I'm so glad that he drove out all the things in my life that were stopping me from his presence. I'm so glad he drove out depression. I'm so glad he drove out anxiety. I'm so glad he drove out fear. What do you need him to drive out this morning? What do you need him to get rid of this morning? What is in your temple? Here's the problem with the story it doesn't just represent the church it represents your life you are the what temple of the Holy Spirit 
He doesn't dwell in buildings anymore. He dwells in people. And the problem is there's so many things in our life. Why was Jesus so angry at these people? Obviously, we know that they were diminishing the price of the lamb. And they were making the lamb cheaper than it really was supposed to be. Which was not just diminishing the lamb. It was also diminishing the work of the cross. Well, obviously, we know the Bible says they were exchanging currency. Understand that in those days that the temple only, only would um, accept a shekel. But the people had money from the Roman Empire. And so they would exchange their worldly currency and turn it into a godly currency. That is exactly what we've done in the church. We have exchanged the things of this world and tried to turn worldly things and make them godly. But at what point are we going to stop changing what the world is doing and just sprinkling Jesus on it? I'm just going to preach out this mic. At what point are we going to stop playing church? And say, I'm not going to keep coming to church with all my worldly idols and sprinkle a little Jesus on them. How do you know? Let, oh, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice because it's Sunday morning. I'm supposed to be shorter and nicer in the service. I know that's what we're supposed to do on Sunday morning. I've been in enough churches to know that. But here's the problem. Watch when the latest gangster rapper that talks about sexualizing women, abusing women, and all this stupid stuff, let him come out with some famous dance. Give the church in America three weeks, and every single youth group in the country is going to be doing that stupid dance and posting it on Facebook. And every youth group in the country is going to be following off the next song, following off the next phase, and the mannequin, and the, 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 I don't even know, all the stupid dances that the culture has now. And we're going to come and do them. Why? Because we don't have enough content that's original from the Bible that we have to take the currency of the world, and we have to become worldly in order to try to make people godly. But guess what? The only way to change the world is not to be like them. It's to be like God. So they were exchanging currency. Here was the main problem in the story. Wasn't just they were selling cattle. Wasn't just there was idols in the house of God. Wasn't just they were making a worldly temple. It was that the place they were selling the animals, the place they were exchanging the currency, the place they were making it more convenient was the spot that the worshipers were supposed to be. So now they were allowing things in their life to take the place of worship. They were allowing things in their life to get in the way of what God wanted them to do and to take up the space that God wanted for them to worship. You know the problem with all of our trinkets in the church? It's taking up the true place of worship. It's taking up space. And so now instead of prayer meetings, we have programs. Now instead of revivals, we have nice little conferences. But God is saying it's time for us this morning, I'm about to close, to clear out all the things in our lives that's taking the place of worship maybe I just don't know why brother I come to church and I don't feel like worshiping I'll tell you why because you watch Netflix four hours a day and understand this the more you feed yourself the culture, the more, the less you're going to want to feed your spirit. The more you give yourself things that don't matter, things that are boring, things that are apathetic, things that are numb, the less you're going to want to be involved in the spiritual realm. The problem is we put where the place of worship is supposed to be, the area of our life we're supposed to dedicate it to God. We have dedicated to idols and a compromise and a complacency. But friend, there is a real day where Jesus will come back and he's going to drive all these things out in the temple once again. And he sent me to Wisconsin to tell you to let him get rid of everything in your life this morning that is in the way of his presence
flips over the tables. Guess what, friend? The tables are turning in the church again. We're not living in a day any longer where apathy is going to be tolerated. There, oh, how do I say? There's coming a day right now where God's beginning to expose all these fake preachers in the church. We are going to see. I prophesied this a couple years ago, and the, I, the month I prophesied, I think there was five major leaders that God exposed. You want to know why? This is not a game, friend. This is a day where you're going to see mega churches fall and crumble because of the idols and the compromise because Jesus is not going to tolerate a church. Here's what he said. He said, zeal for my father has consumed me. In other words, this is my father's house. This is not our church. It's God's church. We are not here to do what we want to do. We are here to do what God wants to do. We are here for his power. We are here for his presence. We are here for his anointing. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. It's not about making you comfortable. It's about making God comfortable. It's about His presence. It's about His presence. Here's what He said. He said, you've turned my house, my father's house, into a den of thieves. I look at this and go, den of thieves? They weren't, who were they stealing from? Here's who they were stealing from. People that need an encounter with God. See, here's the problem. The Bible says there was lame and sick and blind people all outside the temple, and they needed an encounter with God. But because of the church's lack of prayer, watch where I'm going with this, because of the church's lack of praise, because of the church's lack of commitment, because of the church's lack of dedication, they were stealing from the people the encounter that God wanted to have for them. What have you allowed to steal the encounter that God has for you? He said, my house should be prayer. Why? Because it is only a praying church that could change a city. It is only a praying church that could save a nation. It is only a praying church. We cannot not pray, not read, not fast as a church, and then come on Sunday, look how foolish this is, do nothing all week long, this is what America does, and then come on Sunday morning and go, okay, God, where are you? Let's do some miracles. He says, no, I'm a God that wants to be honored. If I came over your house, and every week I came to your house, and you didn't even look at me, you didn't even talk to me, you didn't want me there, and I come over and you go, oh, hi, Isaiah. What are you looking at? My watch? Why? I'm just waiting to see what time you're going to leave. This is what we do in church. What time is it? 11.20? Oh, we're supposed to be out of here eight minutes ago. Service, message was supposed to end. And now we don't, we, and God's going, why would I show up if you don't even want me here? Why? Why would I show up if you're in a hurry to be in my presence? It's, listen, it's not just that. When I do show up, you don't even honor me. So he's going to show up maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, and he's going to go, guess what? Here's the scary part about God. He'll always find a place where he's honored. Do you know why God showed up in my living room January 12th or January of 2011? Because all the churches in our city didn't want to honor him, didn't want his presence. So he goes, I'll go find someone that does want my presence. Friend, here's the problem. If you don't want the presence of God, if you don't want God to clear your temple tonight, this morning, if you don't want God to wash you, he'll go find someone that does. There is, if he has to go to another country, if he has to go to the Philippines to find people, he will. But I'm here this morning saying, God, I don't want to be a den of thieves. I don't want to rob people from the encounter that you have for him. The tables are turning. Let God drive out whatever's in your life that's stopping you from his presence.
Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.